dig and dig and dig just to find the bathroom in the morning. My baby loves trash. Oh. My baby leaves his trash all over the house. I think it's time to trash my baby. Bang it up. Bang it up. Hello friends, coming to you from the Tualatin River Valley in Oregon. This is Ryan, Rye Rye, Snowy, Rye Guy, Hossy Bossy, McSassy Pants, Playboy Hossy, Randy California, Hoss, the man with the magnetic tape, HG, Mr. Domesticity, Hossner. And this is 69 Vinyl Records. Folks, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. It is now the 29th of April, taking a kind of light and leisurely recording pace through this last week in April, gearing up for uh, like three big weeks to close it out, three and a half big weeks to close it out. Um, as we're like nearing the final third of episodes, we're getting real close to that that final, that back third, the third of three periods, the uh, decision time. Excited to be at that stage in the game here. Let's see. It's a Wednesday. I did very little today. We had a, a technician in the house for a while. We we observed whatever protocols we needed to as they worked on repairing our dryer and making our house functional again. We're now fully functional again. Uh, and I spent a lot of the day kind of laid out. I... I kind of threw out my back this morning i spent some time on heat and spent some time stretching i did yoga yesterday and felt during the practice like wow this is the best my back has felt in like two weeks i've been stressed and everything just feels great and loosey-goosey and i woke up today uh just <laughs> a, a bag of rocks just ugh, terrible so uh reclining now here in the holy of holies in this uh, most sacred place here inside of our bedroom, as we do episode now 41 of 69 Vinyl Records, calling the $150 podcast. I am excited to bring on a first-timer. We don't have that many first-timers left. I think, in fact, we have one more uh, first-timer, first uh, appearance on the show yet to come. Um, and that is exciting here in the late run, someone to spice things up, to break us out of our habits, our norms, and, and talk to us about an album, actually, that I think is going to uh, challenge us to uh, step outside of, of what we might regularly consider listening to on a record. Um, I am excited to have, this is the only known creator or purveyor of a, uh, a fan music video to the acapella group, The Bob's. Um, he also is the, uh, I believe, a co-founder of the, uh, or co-inventor of the DVD Rewinder. Please welcome to the program my Uncle Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Dude, I'm <laughs> good, and I'm so happy to have you on the program. Well, I'm excited to be here, and I wish I had I had thought of a long, long, long name that you should introduce me by to, just to compete with yours, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't expel the creative energy today to come up with that. You know, um, your brother, your older brother, my own father, did do that. He sent me a <laughs> he sent me an introduction for his episode. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's best yep. to be prepared. I guess you know he was very prepared. He and my brother both. There's something familial here. They like typed out huge amounts of notes, and, like, <laughs> and shared with me like, "Here's every." And I was like, "Dude, uh, that's awesome." Yeah, I, I'm so glad to have that sort of uh, that sort of thing in my family history, and I'm so glad to have those people <laughs> on the show, so ready to go. 
Well, you know, you're a, you're a Hosner through and through, only if you do your proper preparation. <laughs> and That's so we'll right. see. I'm not sure I'm going to live up to that, but I'll try my best. Oh, I have no doubts at all. Now, Scott, I do want to, before we get into this album, there was an episode, uh, it was actually episode 21, so 20 weeks ago, uh, one of your other nephews my cousin matt was on the program and i was uh saying like wow episode 21 matt you were also at my 21st birthday and neither he nor i have a very clear recollection of that that evening we know (laughs) like we know some essential beats we also knew that you were there and this is maybe the only opportunity to canonically in the run of this show clarify Anything that did or didn't may or may not have happened on uh, on the app that you remember. <laughs> well, um, who's going to be listening to this podcast? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by this. There was a couple things that went on that evening that I thought, wow, these guys trust that it's not going to go beyond tonight and that I am not going to share sure. this information with other people. <laughs> so now you're asking me about this on a podcast. I'm not sure um, I'm going to be able to... Uh, fulfill your wish while at the same time my initial internal promise to myself about not sharing some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. It was a full 12 plus years ago now. Um, and here's what we've revealed already. And it was okay. mostly just trying to suss out any details. So mm-hmm. we, we of course know that the evening started at Darcel seeing a drag review yeah. We know that we ended up at some sort of piano bar where yeah. I believe, I believe Scott, that you recommended to me or maybe even ordered for me a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> Was that the first and time you'd ever had one? <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly. Right. Yeah. Uh, before that, my my experience with uh, alcohol was like solo cups uh, and like Coors. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of. Don't have a whole lot of like ordering experience or like fancy cocktails, but to be honest, Scott, that's about where my like specific knowledge of where and when and in what order things happened sort of comes to a close for that evening. Hmm. Okay. Well, that piano bar that you um, have some recollection of was Hobos, um, ah, down, yeah. <laughs> down on Third Avenue, I believe. Pre coronavirus, it was still there, so hopefully it will be. Uh, yeah, for a long geez. time. I don't remember the discussion of how we ended up there, other than maybe you guys were wanting something a little quieter. Yeah, it's not to too far from not too far from Darcells. Mm-hmm. Um boy, yeah, what should I share? The the Long Island iced tea wasn't <laughs> the only thing <laughs> that you guys uh, consumed that night. Uh sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, that that might have something to do with your lack of uh, recollection. <laughs> well, you know, actually, so I know exactly to what you are referring, and I am pretty sure I'm. You you remember better than I do, obviously. I don't think that I smoked any pot that night. I I I could be wrong about that. I know that I did in and around that time, but I don't. I don't know if I did on that very night. I think I was well, a little I, wary. Yeah, and I couldn't uh, testify hand to a Bible that you did. You there's there's an in, <laughs> that there's is a, the sort there's of sixty nine <laughs> vinyl records threshold, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, there is a kind of a smoking patio, uh, more or less yeah. within that that bar. And you guys went out there, and um, you know, I don't, I I, I didn't uh, 
Gotcha. I didn't okay. visit the patio with you uh, for any extended period of time. I think I popped my head out there and it was obvious <laughs> by the odor <laughs> <laughs> what was being smoked. But did I see yeah. something in your mouth? No, I don't. Uh, maybe not. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I did. I, yeah. But I did. <laughs> I have to admit, you know, there were some. Th- <laughs> First of all, it was awfully cool that you guys, that you, y'all invited me to your 21st birthday. I, at, at that time, you know, I felt. Gosh, you know, I, I guess I still qualify as the cool uncle that you would invite me to uh, join you. And I had a great time that night. And um, and then there were those thoughts like, yeah, this is, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, these <laughs> when these kids were born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I would never have pictured this. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I went to two or three establishments that night, at least a couple of which were gay bars and, and had mm-hmm. a great time. And I was honored. Well, I'm honored that you have held on to and protected the the sort of secret history of that night until <laughs> this very moment. I I appreciate you filling some things in. Hobos for sure. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh. I don't. I'm pretty sure that I did not end up like puking that night. No, even I don't remember was, anything like that. Yeah, and I. Of course, being, you know, a tiny, tiny little 21-year-old man, I don't even remember being particularly hungover the next day, which is just outrageous to me. Oh, to to be 21. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Seriously. It it just gets worse and worse, man. Yeah, well, I believe it. Matt and I did did an episode recently. You know, I had, like, two drinks while we recorded, and I was, like, blasted the next day. Like, oh, God. (laughs) Got to have a glass of water for every drink. (laughs) I guess. That's, that's, man, I keep that rule when I go out, and I forget about that rule when I'm, you know, quarantined at home sitting on the couch. That's a good one. It's all about dehydration. <laughs> see, it's gotten so bad for me now that I've if I go for a run at night, which is when I run and usually uh-huh. every other night, if I forget to have a big glass of water after my run and before I go to bed, I will wake up with a what feels like a hangover. Oh, um, gosh, the same yeah. the same headache of dehydration. Um, it feels Jeez. identical. <laughs> and that was never the case until a few years ago. I used to be able to dehydrate myself and feel nothing, but not so much well, as we get a little older. I suppose I suppose that is true. Now, here's an album that itself came out a few years ago and is now <laughs> finding itself quite a bit older. Um, and we should bring it in and talk about it a little bit. This is by far the closest thing that I have to like a, a joke album or a comedy album of any kind. This is a gift to me by Matt, um, and I'm excited to have someone who remembers the time when this uh, record maybe even came out. Uh, This is (laughs) Weird Al Yankovic in 3D. In 3D. So so it's oh, yeah. not a flat album. It's actually warped intentionally, right? <laughs> that's that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's got a weird, yeah, the sort of jiggle, the sort of jiggle as it spins wildly around, <laughs> around the record players. It on seems purpose. like it would be appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this warped, uh, warped, wacky album leads off with a song uh, that actually, like, peaked 
I read this today. I was shocked to see this, that Eat It peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Top 100. And this shocks you. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> it so, is a classic, but that it's not a, it's a joke song. It's a par- it's a parody. Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's there's a lot of little known facts about Weird Al, and not to get us too diverted too quickly here, but he is one of only five artists in history to have a top forty hit in four consecutive decades, and it's wow. <laughs> likely that he will be the only one, presuming he has five. one more, to hit five yeah. decades, and uh, <laughs> and it goes back to eat it. That's awesome. That's super rad. So Michael Jackson uh, was a fan and uh, allowed uh, Weird Al to do uh, a few parodies over the years. There's one he said mm-hmm. no to, um, but uh, he was so excited to have Weird Al do Eat It that he preserved the set from his own music video, Beat It, so that Weird Al could use <laughs> oh it for his gosh. music video, Eat It. <laughs> That's incredible. That's and pretty it's wild. M- more or less a shot-for-shot music video. Well, so that I do know, and actually, that that makes me think of a couple of things. One is, uh, it might be. I mean, if you knew in 1984 that we would speak in far more glowing terms about Weird Al than we did about Michael Jackson, that I think that <laughs> might come as a shock to you. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, the other is that this music video is part of what. So Weird Al, as you say, like releasing music for. For four, I mean, releasing like charting music for four consecutive decades, which means he was around when you were in high school. He was around when I was in elementary school. I remember, you know, like what was the American Pie one that he did for Star Wars, right? Like I got, I remember that from when I was in elementary school. Um, And so right when we got our first DVD player at our house was, I think it was Christmas 2003. So This is a Christmas episode, of course, right? Coming out on the 28th of December. So exactly 17 years ago, my family got a DVD player. And in our stockings, each person got like one DVD for the new DVD player. Nice. (laughs) And... And I think that like the the Hostner children assembled uh, were the recipients of a Weird Al Ultimate Music Video Collection DVD. Uh, And so... That's where I really got to know and appreciate anything else in his catalog, anything that was older. And of course, like, you know, like a surgeon and uh, other 80s songs that my parents were really excited to see. And yeah, so that that DVD was very formative for us there. Sure. Now, now not to be confused, but like a surgeon came after this album. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to say, yeah, just to say it was sort of of that era, right? The couple Michael Jackson tracks. Um, yep. I think I think Fat was the the top track, the like first track on that collection. Right. And uh, typically his albums, the first track is the 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 big, you know, I guess the big parody that he expects or is already right. a hit, depending on how the album was released. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Eat It kicks off this album with, with a, with a bang. It was his first, this is his second album, um, studio right. album. And the first one was almost all a kind of accordion accompaniment because of his mm-hmm. accordion background. And this album, he started, um, doing more traditional tracks, at least with the parodies and saving the, uh, accordion for more select, um, 
moments mm-hmm. in his in his albums, uh, which some of his fans missed the accordion, but I think most of us enjoy it just more sparingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little accordion here, a little straight up parody here there. Uh, yeah, yep. I think that's. <laughs> um, I do appreciate. So something I was seeing was how over time he went from being, you know, needing to sort of do near, near interpretations, or like in this album they're all like pitched up or done a little bit at different tempo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unlike now where he can just like use the exact same <laughs> the exact same music it sounds uh, like yeah it sounds almost identical today yeah 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 um so that was still fun to to turn on eat it and hear it. it's just like so fast so <laughs> it like really lends to how silly it feels yeah right off the bat indeed have some more chicken have some more pie it doesn't matter if it's boiled or fried just eat it you know just in general weird al appeals to the nerd in me and um you know kind of the outside (laughs) outside the the uh the dominant paradigm that i that i often well of course i didn't use that kind of language as a kid but that i often felt and (laughs) and uh and so you know there's just a He just embraces the wackiness and the weirdness that is Weird mm-hmm. Al with such reckless abandon. It gives kind of nerds um, a little a, a little comfort, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this record came out um, February 84. That's like springtime or late winter of my dad's senior year in high school. What year was that for you? Well, I would have been a sophomore. Um, no, no. Right. I would have been a freshman. Sorry. Freshman that year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Trevor yeah, McMurray, my here. my uh, beloved nerd friend, and I listened to this album mm-hmm. again and again and again <laughs> and again. <laughs> of course, I had it on a cassette tape. I didn't ever oh, have the well, LP. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that that makes total sense for that for that time. <laughs> uh, you know, so I I have to admit when I put this on tonight to listen to it uh, front to back that's the first time that this record has been played by me. It's the first time I ever listened to it. Um, I, I've heard some of these songs before, but a lot of them it was the first time I'd heard them. And when I heard the second song on here, Midnight Star, I, I was kind of like bracing myself as I went into the album. Like, all right, I'm going to listen to some Weird Al that I can appreciate, but like pretty hokey. And when this original track comes on, what I wrote in my notes was, am I actually going to enjoy this? <laughs> and did you <laughs> that's the big uh, question <laughs> uh overall uh i, I what i do want to say is that i really really was surprised by how much i liked midnight star it was uh like pretty catchy track well you know it's kind of in the style of bruce springsteen i think um sure. the you know it's funny because it's it's certainly not one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, yeah, it is. I think mostly pulled from actual headlines out of new, uh, you know supermarket tabloids, and that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, what inspired it? <laughs> it's a cute little ditty with some fun lines. You can learn to cope with stress, and you can beat the IRS, and the incredible frog boy is on the loose again.
I was just kind of like, um, I don't know. I because I have not been a Weird Al album listener. I I don't know how much of his original music I've actually listened to or come across. Uh, and so I was just a little bit pleased that when it was his turn to like to write something that wasn't an I don't know. So you say Springsteen, and I believe that to me it wasn't like a super obvious pastiche like some of the other ones are. Right. Um. And I was, yeah, I was pleased with this. I was pleased with his songwriting. I was pleased with what it sounded like. Like, oh, maybe he could have been a. <laughs> uh, that's like you know the parent who's like never never pleased with their comedian son. Like, could he have just been a regular if, musician? If he had been, but well, I'm convinced if he'd been a regular musician, he would be a janitor today. You know, it's yeah. like he <laughs> he has a he has an ability to turn a phrase that is pretty unique and and his ability to parody and vocalize so many different styles of music is That's what true, really yeah. makes him a joy to listen to and if he was just doing straight up music i think he'd be pretty forgettable yeah no i i'm with you there i i don't yeah i don't know that midnight star is enough to get me to like buy a whole record of like let's get this guy's original jams but i yeah it wasn't i yeah, I was uh, I was like pleasantly surprised with it. That's better than the next song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I um I wrote <laughs> I wrote here for the Brady Bunch. Um, pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, it, you know, it's the uh, it's an old men without hat song, which I don't even know if you um you no, would personally recognize you do know the song safety dance. yeah i know okay. safety dance and safety dance by itself is already silly it's already like doing self-parody it didn't feel like <laughs> it needed <laughs> it didn't feel like weird al was doing a whole lot extra <laughs> sure fair nope i get it and i agree <laughs> say you can watch 60 minutes even captain kangaroo but there's only one set, so whatever you watch, well, you know I gotta watch it too. Say, give it up, and give it up, television's taking its toll. That's enough, that's enough, give me the remote control. Although it did have a Phil Donahue reference, which I thought you might... Don't don't you have like a Phil Donahue <laughs> experience? <laughs> Absolutely. Do we want to take that rabbit trail? <laughs> well, you know, let me just say that I don't know anything about Phil Donahue other than he's probably the inspiration for Weird Al's um, talk show character that he did on UHF. That's like all I really know. Well, so you're probably more familiar with Oprah Winfrey. Certainly, so, yeah, o yeah. Oprah Winfrey was, you know, followed in the footsteps of Phil Donahue. It was the exact same format of a show. Bring on gotcha. some guests, have an audience full of people, interview them usually stir up some controversy and then mm -hmm. start taking questions and comments from the audience. And so mm -hmm. as I was growing up a teenager, uh, Phil Donahue was a kind of an institution on daytime television. And uh, he overlapped, uh, Oprah Winfrey um, overlapped him. So they were both on the air for some time. But when I was uh, 18, I believe, maybe 19, uh, taking my first trip to New York City as a grown up with friends instead of with family, um, I had a friend who was going to college there, and um, he managed to get us tickets to the Phil Donahue show, which was pretty exciting. I'd never been to a live show taping before. Yeah. And 
they um, called us, the show producers or whatever, called us the night before and said, hey, you need to come in a couple hours earlier than your normal, um, than the ticket might indicate, because we're going to show you a film before the taping of the show. And so we didn't know what the film was. Um, We knew nothing about the topic of the program because they wouldn't share that with the audience in advance. Um, But... uh, Without knowing what the topic was, Greg, who had gotten us the tickets, had made Jennifer and I, uh, a, uh, and Jennifer was the other friend who went with me, mm-hmm. um, had made us a little wager, which was if anyone could stand up and ask a question during the taping of the show that got applause from the audience, he would buy you dinner. <laughs> and so <laughs> we show up a couple hours early. So they file us into the auditorium, and there's TV monitors up above, um, kind of in the lighting grid. They turn down the lights, and up on the TV monitors comes this movie, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Now, I had never heard of this film, um, and I (laughs) was barely prepared for the film as a barely, mostly in-the-closet gay man. I was um, hadn't been kind of pursuing what films for the gay community might be coming out or that would have appeal to the gay community. But that's what this film it was a film about three drag queens traversing the Australian continent on their way to a show at a casino. And it's a brilliant movie and uh, and had a great time watching it. The minute the film wrapped and the credits started to roll, uh, the lights came out and out came Phil Donahue and the stars of the film and the taping began um, right away. And, and so it was, you know, it was a, the first 30 minutes was kind of a love fest, you know, talking to them about what, what their experience was making the movie, uh, mostly straight actors performing in drag. How did that feel? You know, and the audience, Mm -hmm. oh, this was great. But then in true Phil Donahue style, they start bringing out like the right wing wackos to uh, tell them all that (laughs) they're going to burn in hell. And, you know, (laughs) and so the whole time I'm sitting here looking at my watch, realizing the show is ticking away and I haven't earned my free dinner yet. And so I'm (laughs) trying to think, what can I say that is going to make this audience applaud? Right. And this Uh was, so it wasn't long after the LA riots when Rodney King had been beaten up by police officers and he had very famously come out on television and said, you know, can't we all just get along was basically what he, Uh, what he said um, in, in being overly forgiving of the police force. And so I stood up, you know, raised my hand during a commercial break. Phil Donahue came over to me and he said, okay, I'm going to come to you after the break. You know, he's standing there. He's holding the microphone in my face and says, okay, we're back. What do you have to say? And I basically said, you know, can't we all just get along? <laughs> and the audience breaks out in applause and I'm like, score, I got dinner. <laughs> so that's my Phil Donahue story. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> what a radical. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we all just get along? <laughs> it was safe enough that if my mom saw it on saw me on television, she wouldn't uh freak out. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and it won you a dinner. That's amazing. Yes, and I still have the VHS tape of that uh episode of the show. Oh wow. That's a true that's a really <laughs> special thing. <laughs> you know, the next song on the album isn't I Lost on Jeopardy, but you know, we could that's pretty good. It's related being on TV. Sure. Talking about Lost on Jeopardy. I I just I don't know how much time Scott I want to spend talking about this uh this Bob Marley song. <laughs> well, only in as much as, you know, a couple of years ago I bought me a condo, so apparently it that... it stuck. 
<laughs> yeah, this was the inspiration for that move. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do the wall-to-wall carpeting, but I, you know. Oh man! <laughs> but I, the but only... I don't mow the lawn no more. So <laughs> that, well, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Some of it's true. I don't it's think I have that... any shirts with the alligator on it, but. <laughs> oh man, you gotta get you gotta get some of those. You know. Um, the only thing that I think is worth mentioning about. Uh, just I don't know that we're ever going to talk about Bob Marley on here again. Earlier this school year, for me at least, so uh, fall of 2019, we did an activity day with our students and gave them the option. Like, we'll go, we'll t- we'll go to Portland. We have a budget. What do you guys want to do? And and the senior class is who I was working with, and they all got it together and they were like, "All right, we're going to go to OMSI on like a." Friday at 11 a.m. and we're going to watch a Bob Marley laser light show. And that's what we did. It was (laughs) (laughs) terrible. It was so boring. (laughs) Oh my God. They, they loved it. You know, that's, that's, I'm always surprised because just like kids haven't done anything fun. And so everything's fun to them, you know? Right. (laughs) So they had a blast. It was, uh, yeah, it was a whole lot of 1970s technology. Yeah, it's uh, a weird, it's a weird, uh, you know, as artists would say, mixed media, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Lasers, lasers and Bob Marley. Seems like yeah, an odd like combination. These, <laughs> it was super weird. Well, yeah, and so I think even, like, to make sure that we got our uh, got our money's worth there, we started out with what was supposed to be an astronomy video, but it was actually more like a commercial for, like, a, I don't know, some sort of like general motors or general elect or ibm thing or it was like i don't know so we watched this like commercial for some like private space <laughs> exploration and then we watched uh like laser laser generated alligators and palm trees <laughs> for like 45 minutes <laughs> wow yeah pretty yeah. awesome so maybe that's why i want to skip this song <laughs> <laughs> All I will say for and uh, is that there's a lot of forgettable songs on this album, and uh-huh. yet, and I haven't listened to most of these songs until this week for probably 20 years, and I yeah. could still sing word for word, probably. Well, I could probably sing 70 percent word for word this entire album after wow. 20 years. That's that's, that's awesome. how much I listened to it back in the day. <laughs> That's really great. That's really awesome. Or, you know, I can't remember the name of a person I met five minutes ago, but, you know, ask me to sing Polkas on 45, no problem. (laughs) Ain't that just the way. (laughs) How much of my brain is wasted on song lyrics, I'll never know. I I lost on Jeopardy had a fun little uh, Don Pardo cameo very Absolutely. Like, very intertwined with show business album this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I believe the old host of Jeopardy whose name escapes me is also on here. I think he's got two cameos in this recording. Gotcha. 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I only know, I didn't know anything about Don Pardo being a game show announcer. I only knew him from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Doing, uh, saying, musical guest. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only Don Pardo I knew. But I totally recognized his voice when he came on. Sure, and it's still a reference point. You know, there's there's not that often that we need that kind of an announcer like here at our office when, we're, when we are um, hiring voiceover artists. But on occasion... There's a client who says, I need somebody like that guy from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you and then you reach out to your various voice talent says, who can do a good Don Pardo? Everybody knows exactly yeah. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody, for me, I would always have to launch into it with musical guests. And then I could say anything. But sure. Like, sure. I got to That's the hook. <laughs> yeah, that's the hook. It's like there's it's like if, when you're trying to do foreign accents, there's usually some sort of a little anchor point that you mm-hmm. you can get into that mm-hmm. accent with the right two or three words. That's and then right. you can roll from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I say as if like I can get into anything. But yeah, uh-huh, that's how it works. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. It is the same idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything more to say about I Lost on Jeopardy? Or would you like to recite from memory all the words to Pokazon 45? <laughs> I would have to sing along with it because it's very much cued by the music. I couldn't just sit yes. here and do it. But but I adore Pokazon 45. And I actually, this is a common feature on almost all of his albums is he has a polka medley. And huh. I love them. And what's funny, what I, what I find interesting um, is that when I heard Polkas on 45, probably three quarters of the music references I didn't get. It was later oh, wow. in my life where I heard these songs and went, oh, that's that yeah. crazy and <laughs> weird owl. Because I didn't grow up listening to much popular music. It wasn't uh, mm-hmm. encouraged in our house. Um, it wasn't like we were absolutely forbidden from it, but they're just my, – my siblings – were enough older than me and Steve's mm-hmm. closest in age, but he didn't listen to much pop music either. I think Tim definitely did, but he was, you know, nine years, eight, nine years older than me. Yeah. And so he, his music, I didn't hear much of. <laughs> I remember vividly when he went off to college and he left behind a Billy Joel album and it was scandalous when I listened to that oh. Billy Joel album. I mean, like the content of that album, I was like, <laughs> wow, I've never heard anything like this before. That's um, awesome. And so many of these references I did not get into later in life, but I still sang along with them because they were yeah. part of the focus on 45. It was just that one little sure. phrase. And then I hear a song 10 years later and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was what he was. So, I, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm not sure. You know, I'd have, I couldn't go back with, uh, perfect recollection, but I might not have even understood that Polka's on 45 was references to other songs, other than I just might have thought it was weird, wacky stuff. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I might have... (laughs) I wish I knew the answer to that, but I would not be surprised if my um, musical... Yeah, as a freshman If my musical exposure was so narrow that I didn't get any of these the first time around. Yeah. Even if, though, even if you were a, a, a freshman in high school who listened to popular music, you still might not catch all of them. There's a lot in here. I was surprised when I saw the, like, listing here of everything I was going to be listening to. Devo, Smoke on the Water, Hey Jude, Talking Heads, Foreigner, yeah. Lawrence Welk. That was the <laughs> one that I was real excited to see. <laughs> well, I think that Weird Al says that, you know, one of the... 
one of the things he loves doing is playing accordion to to songs that were never intended to have accordion yet. He says, sure. you know, most most music plays better with the accordion as God intended, I think is his famous quote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so even, you know, like recently he did a, he did um, Hamilton polka, where he took oh. most of the songs of Hamilton and mashed them together into like a five minute long polka song. <laughs> and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. how can you take Hamilton spoke <laughs> in a largely spoken word um, mm-hmm. music and uh, with very, you know, interesting rhythmic patterns compared to polka (laughs) and and make it work. And yet he does. (laughs) It's worth a listen. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds uh, actually sounds pretty great. I really did enjoy polkas on 45 too. I I was surprised. Yeah, I was really, I think my biggest takeaway from this album uh, was not like, whoa, I missed out on these other parodies, but more like, God, he's like pretty, pretty damn good at what he's doing here. And and of course, he's like known as a fantastic accordionist, but it's awesome to hear him like fingers a flying and uh, and doing all these interpretations of, uh, of music from his own time. It's really fun. Well, as I understand it, he there. Were, well, first of all, it was as I did a little reading and, and looking back prior to this episode, I came across a phenomenal article in New York Times magazine that was just published like two weeks ago or maybe oh, yeah. a, a month ago. Um, and it's a very lengthy story on Weird Al and his enduring um, legacy. But it, I learned a lot reading that article about his uh, upbringing and how he learned to play the accordion and and um, how he uh for instance, when he first was, he was a he was a, almost a shut in kid, and so he was relegated mostly to his bedroom growing up. Had kind of a miserable upbringing, but he had this accordion, and it was mostly self taught. And he learned to play along with rock albums, and so like his favorite album at that time was Goodbye Yellowbrook Road um, by Elton John, and he uh-huh. learned to play the entire thing note for note. Um, on demand, right? Anybody wanted to hear it. And um, he, you know, that was kind of his launch into making the accordion work with almost anything. And um, it was, it was fascinating to kind of get the backstory on that. But I, I, if this is allowed, I want to read the opening paragraph, (laughs) giving credit to Sam Adams of New York Times Magazine, because I think it sums up part of the joy of Weird Al. And he starts this way. He starts this way. He says, last summer, in the middle of what struck me as an otherwise very full life, I went to my first Weird Al Yankovic concert. Weird Al, for anyone reading this through a golden monocle, is the most renowned comedy musician in the history of the multiverse, a force of irrepressible wackiness who, back in the 1980s, built a preposterous career out of song parodies and then, somehow, never went away. After 40 years, Yankovic is now no longer a novelty, but an institution, a garish bright spot in the middle of America's pop cultural wallpaper, a completely ridiculous national treasure, an absurd living legend. <laughs> and <Yeah>. I think <laughs> what a great <laughs> summary of what this guy has become as yeah. a jokester, you know, who yeah. um, often takes songs that, uh, that you know, penetrate the social consciousness and, in my opinion, make them better. (laughs) Every breath you take Every move you make Every bond you break Every 
I'll be watching you. We have we have talked at length here about side A of the uh, of the album here, which means we have come to the point in the program where we need to talk about today and coronavirus. Ooh, favorite feature, Uncle Scott. Everybody loves talking about today and coronavirus. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Here's what we've got for today. The uh, International Labor Organization is warning that a full 50% of the global workforce could find themselves uh, losing employment and or income as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. A full 50% globally. Um, And that number comes from exclusively saying that if uh, 80%, if four out of every five what are called informal workers. So that's anybody who doesn't get benefits uh, anywhere in the world. They're an informal worker. So if 80% of informal workers were to lose income or employment, that equates to full 50% of all workers. So that means there are actually more of these workers than other. So it's uh, this big nasty thing that revealed all sorts of other uh, big nasty things. But I, I thought that was a... That was a really interesting and bleak uh, sort of picture to paint of the upcoming fallout yet to come uh, with this lovely, lovely time we're all experiencing. You know, we're sort of right now hoping for easing restrictions. And I mean, some states are doing it already, which just seems mad, just seems bonkers. We're (laughs) we've as a nation tested what, like eight million people total. Like, okay, good to go. Back to work, everybody. Like, get a tattoo, get your ears pierced. It's pretty wild. Uh, but at the same time, like, it almost, it also kind of feels like, man, you know, things are flattening out. Things are slowing down. Maybe we'll get back in. And, and oof, I don't know. I go back and forth between being, like, a little optimistic. The other news from today, of course, was, like, ooh, FDA wants to fast-track experimental treatment and, Dr. Fauci's all all pumped on it. Like, dude, that that guy would be stoked for anything right now. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, Scott... I I find myself similarly. Um, some days I'm relatively optimistic, and some days I get really discouraged. You know, um, yeah. my you know I'm I'm one of those business owners who was dramatically uh, impacted by this shutdown, mm-hmm. and. Um, mm-hmm. We laid off um, 70% of our staff, depending on how you count it, because really the remaining mm-hmm. 30% of our staff is the ownership of the company. And we have been sure. we have been volunteering our time for the last going on two months to um, mm-hmm. try to keep this ship afloat while we have furloughed the rest of our staff. Now, we've maintained health insurance for them. Um, and, uh, we have received a PPP loan, so we'll be bringing them back on payroll soon, hopefully to stay. Um, but so that's kind of the optimistic side is that we've been able to keep pretty busy. We have personally all, um, are doing fine, you know, financially uh, secure and, and our employees are being well taken care of both with their health insurance and then generous unemployment. So Mm -hmm. nobody's, Nobody's going to be on the streets, you know, from our team. However, it's, it's you know, I go to the, the <laughs> side of, of um, 
the darker side on occasion when I start thinking about, you know, what the reality moving forward may be. And and I yeah. I just our company relies a lot on um, large events. And yep. Yep. I large in person, <laughs> large in person, a thousand people in a ballroom, you know, people flying from out of state or out of right. the country to be exactly. A part of it. And yeah. I just don't see that in the next six months or year that we're going to mm-hmm. be, quote unquote, back to normal where those kind of events are happening. And yeah. so yeah. we have we are nimble. We have clients who are nimble. We're trying different things, doing kind of virtual events. Um with, you know, mixed success, you know, a lot of events are kind of geared toward fundraising and a virtual fundraising event is almost never going to be as successful as an in-person fundraising event with the yeah, kind of totally. it, the, the peer pressure that comes with, you know, uh, a round mm-hmm. of people sitting at a table and you know, the table host passing out envelopes and watching people mm-hmm. write checks, you know. And so um, who knows how much of these kind of virtual experiments are going to continue in the future and can I am I going to yeah. be able to keep our full staff employed with enough other work our traditional video production work um, it's it's hard to see that we're going to be able to keep everybody um, yeah without any more layoffs in the future and the PPP was written in such a way that it was kind of assuming that by the end of June everything's going to be back to normal and that's when that money right. runs out and so yeah. come the end yeah. of June we'll see you know we'll see. Um, but we've got a great loyal staff who's eager to come back and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's discouraging <laughs> if yeah, I think about it too it much is. day to day. I generally stay with my, uh, positive side at the forefront, but it's sometimes, you know, <laughs> late at night, you start yeah. thinking too much. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that, you know, another weird sort of digital experiment we're embarking on. So tomorrow, uh, tomorrow in coronavirus, we're going to go do a, uh, a, a drive by birthday for your mom, my grandma Hosner. Um, and is she going to be then like receiving a, a new, uh, e device of some sort to be communicating with us with yeah um so for the audience who doesn't care wait, wait. <laughs> I've yeah loaned, this happened I've, eight months ago <laughs> yeah, i've loaned my mom for the last few weeks uh an ipad of mine that i because work has changed so much i haven't needed it much at work and mm-hmm. so i stripped it down to the very basics and put zoom on there and taught her how to you know put in the 10 digit number and join a zoom call um yeah and, you know, it's like four steps and she's written them down and she's able to follow those. And that's worked relatively well. So and she's enjoyed being able to see people. We've enjoyed seeing the top of her head because she never aims yeah. it quite right. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but we've decided to, you know, everybody pitched in the kids and a bunch of the grandkids um, pitched in, got her her own iPod. Or I'm sorry, awesome. iPad. And she is uh, hopefully going to be able to not only continue to use Zoom, but then use FaceTime so that she can initiate a go. call. And hopefully those will be go. the only two things she has to learn. Now, in the <laughs> damn it, why did you do this? The people at Zoom and the people at FaceTime have the same icon. It's just one is blue and one is green. And so that's going to be very <laughs> difficult for grandma to learn they... which is well... which. <laughs> so I'm just I saying, suppose. damn them, damn them to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I mean, if if not for that, then for a million other, you know, million things. <laughs> Indeed. 
Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. And maybe, you know, just maybe she'll get into words with friends and then, you know, that's just the gateway she's she's looking for. Well, that's funny you mention that because that's my hope is that I can play some words with friends against grandma. There you go. Well, <laughs> here's to that. Uh, that's been today and in fact tomorrow in coronavirus. Five tracks here on the second side, Uncle Scott. I'm excited to talk about uh, at least this. Uh, well, there's a few in here that are that are <laughs> worth talking about. I want to start definitely with our opening track here, the B-52s send up that I really like, uh, Mr. Popale. Mr. Popeil, Dan, has he, uh, had you ever heard of Mr. Popeil? The, no. the name. Does the name mean no. anything? To, ah, see. Uh, it does not. This is definitely a generational thing. And, and I came up on the tail end of Mr. Popeil. But we've all seen the, you know, the absurd ads on television. And Mr. Popeil is the guy who uh, kind of created that whole phenomenon. And for decades, if you could sell it on TV, it was Mr. Popeil selling it. And what? so all of these bizarre, oh, uh, like infomercial style. Yeah, but they were thirty-second oh. spots or sixty-second spots before infomercials, which are generally longer form. But sure. it's the same idea, but in a sixty-second ad. Now, don't answer yet. Here's what else you get. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing was Mr. Popeil, and everybody's been copying it ever oh. since. But that's, yeah, I wondered if the name Mr. Popeil would mean anything to you. No, no. In fact, what I had written down is that one of the backup singers on this track is named Lisa Popeil. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on there? I think, now see, this is, you're testing my memory, but I'm pretty sure she was a relative, like a daughter or granddaughter of Mr. Popeil. And when Weird Al was doing (laughs) research for this, he you know, this is probably pre-internet days, but somehow found uh-huh. out that she was, that his, his granddaughter or daughter, whoever it is, um, was a musician. So he thought, wouldn't it be fun to bring her in on the album? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a yeah. connection. And and he loves to do that. It's, if you look at his music videos, they almost all have cameos of famous people. Yeah, um, yeah. And so he loves to, you know, share the love. <laughs> and anyone sure. who loves him, he returns the favor. So he... Uh, well, and there's something like particularly particularly nerdy about like um really highly editorial decisions or like attention to really great details um that that really sort of i don't know uh give away just like how invested in the bit that he always is uh, yeah i i really admire that <laughs> There's in that New York Times uh, New York Times Magazine article I was referencing that he spends some time with Weird Al at his home going into his process and it's mm-hmm. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And um, he 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 has folder upon folder upon folder on a computer of um, his process in in working out the par- the parody lyrics of a song down to minute detail and variations on hundreds of ideas and he'll take like one phrase 
And, you know, there's 16 variations. Is it Mo Thalon or Mo Mylon or Mo Alon? You know, and, like, uh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and when he was asked about, like, who cares? He said, well, you know, I'm going to be if if this is as good of a song as I think it is, I'm going to be performing it on stage for the next 30 years. I got to get it right. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) So um, that's awesome. So, Scott, have you seen him live? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow I saw, awesome. I saw him live as recently as last year um last summer yeah. he performed at McMinimins and he's 60 oh, years old and he <laughs> moves like a 20 year old he can still do splits <laughs> one leg on one leg on the ground splits like raise my leg up over my head splits <laughs> wow um <laughs> at 60 years old he's a an incredible bundle of energy on stage he um, his show is very multimedia because there's so many hundreds and hundreds of references to Weird Al and popular media that he works yeah. them all into his show. Um, so oh, if he's man. got a costume change, which he has a costume for virtually every song, there's media playing on the screen and everything from the the Simpsons, you know, and Married with Children and anything that he was ever a guest on or did a voice on or anything else. Um, are playing on the screens um, while he's doing costume changes. So there's so many references you never knew existed to Weird Al wow. unless you happen to watch that particular cartoon on that particular day. But he, he obviously collects any reference to himself. Wow. Um, it was a hot summer day. He, and much this is very similar to the concert the, uh, the person who wrote the article um, went attended to because it's just like a mm. sweltering hot day. And he spends so much energy. He's just dripping wet. And yet his yeah. vocals, again, I come back to at 60 years old, his vocals are flawless and his range is phenomenal. For, for white and nerdy, he's writing a segue, basically doing <laughs> choreography on a segue on the stage <laughs> – through the entire song <laughs> and nailing the song while writing a segue in a very comically induced fashion. You know, there's that's awesome. you go to his concert and there's Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. And, he, you know, every community he goes to, he gets the because he's a huge Star Wars fan, which, of course, yeah. I grew up with so much connection to Star Wars. And he's got several parodies that involve Star Wars. But so he gets mm-hmm. the local Star Wars reenactors to appear on stage with him, you know, when he does Yoda <laughs> or whatever. And so there'll be like 16 stormtroopers and Darth Vader on the stage as he's doing, you know, the wow. <laughs> Yoda songs or the other Star Wars parodies. And it's just mm-hmm. a joy to watch. But as much as watching the show is fun, it's the audience that's just it's unreal. Oh. They 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 literally are from, you know, like two years old to 80 years old. Yeah. And if you look around, almost everyone is singing along and there are many of them in their Hawaiian shirts or various other nerd <laughs> memorabilia that is authentic. It's not they're not just putting on a Hawaiian shirt because it's Weird Al or wearing weird clothes or whatever. It's because that's them and they can be <laughs> yeah. themselves at a Weird Al yeah. show and nobody and people appreciate it instead of mock it. You know, it's like what a collection of people that oh, are wow. just ecstatically overjoyed by the entire concert. And I took this, when I went this last time, I took a a woman friend of mine, um, Valerie, who is about 10 years my senior, had very little exposure to Weird Al, um, Mm -hmm. but she thought that'd be a fun thing to do. So she came along with us and she loved it. And she's the one who forwarded me the article from New York Times Magazine. She's like, oh "Oh my gosh, I finally um, understand everything we just saw, you know, (laughs) um, or that we saw last summer. And 
again, he strikes at something in, inside me and I think inside of many of his fans that don't take yourself too seriously. Um, yeah. I don't I don't take myself seriously. We're all here to just have this joyous fun with each other and just, you know, put <laughs> so many so many turns of a phrase that are brilliant um, that uh, it's, you know, like I say, it was a it was a joy to be there. And it's the third time I've seen him in concert and he hasn't missed a beat. That's so awesome. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that he right, he, just, he strikes this really cool balance of he's making jokes, he's doing comedy, he's like making fun, but he's also um as you say like not taking himself seriously and he's like able to be very earnest and like try hard and be sincere while being a total like goober, right? Like that's <laughs> the part that gets to come out sincerely. Right. That's really neat. Yeah. If you ever have the chance to see him in concert, it it, it is not a waste of your money. <laughs> and yeah, he does, no, and he does fun. literally his greatest hits from you know from the beginning to the end. So these toss away songs like the Brady Bunch, you're never going to hear those at a concert. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely the greatest hits. And well, um, so one of the things that I remember hearing him talk about on a podcast, and of course, listeners of the show know rule number one is we don't reference other podcasts. So I, I won't give any credit to where I heard this, you know, where I heard him giving this information. So you'll have to go find that yourself. But um, he did a tour in in recent memory where he did only b-sides like did only stuff that he like never performed before wow Um, wow yeah so i think there are like variations of of weird al tours that that if i had ended up at one of those you know actually with all the originals on here that i like uh, maybe i really dig that you might (laughs) have that'd be the perfect show for me (laughs) (laughs) and his true fans would love it because they would be seeing songs that they've never seen performed live before yeah, yeah, exactly. So on this last side, right, Mr. Mr. Popiel, which you have now given me a lot of helpful information about, um, you've got a, a police song on here, a, you know, Eye of the Tiger song on here, and a couple of originals. Which of these stands out? What do you have to share with us about, about the uh, sort of last few tracks here? <laughs> Um, boy, the, uh, I enjoy the, I enjoy King of Suede simply for the creative lyrics and we all are familiar with the song. I think he has a lot of fun with the lyrics in that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I remember hearing him tell a story of getting in, getting in all sorts of trouble because in his hometown, when he was writing this song, he was kind of lurking around clothing stores, taking notes, um, and the uh. owners of these clothing stores didn't really appreciate him <laughs> writing down these strange phrases and things that you know might work its way into a song. Um, oh so that was a fun that was a fun little story. Um, the uh, that boy could dance. I simply think is about him, and it's about him playing mm. an accordion. It's not really about somebody who could dance. <laughs> yeah, that's what it means yeah. to me. Like this is because if you hear his life story and then you listen mm. to the lyrics of this song, if you could substitute and it still would work musically, that boy could play an accordion. That's <laughs> this song is about Weird Al. So because <laughs> he really was an incredibly socially awkward person with only one skill set. So really nothing much to say about the theme from Rocky 8. 
Um, no. Other than it's the theme from Rocky. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Rye or the Kaiser. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a stretch to turn that into a song. But uh, And Nature Trail it's... to Hell. Um, <laughs> funny, um, if for no other reason that this mild-mannered guy is singing about such horrific things. <laughs> Don't spoil the big surprise. I really liked um I really liked Nature Trail the Hell. I was surprised by how um much of a like I was like, wait, is he is he trying to do like parts of it I thought he was maybe trying to do a little bit of Sabbath. Um mm. there's like a false ending. It's the actual like title track. It has little like Atari Nintendo sounds mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> there's there's all some kinds of, like, interesting things. Yeah, did oh, you hear yeah. the backmasking in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it says Something like um, Satan eats cheese whiz, um, something sure. to that oh, effect. Wow! When you play it backward, because <laughs> yeah. there was this whole backmasking. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So you you probably remember because, but I certainly do. When I was in high school, backmasking was this. Um, for anyone in the listening audience who's not familiar, <laughs> there was in the kind of the Christian right movement this theory that uh, you listen to most rock music backward, and there's satanic messages in there. So yeah, totally. Weird, Weird yeah. Al is having fun with that by putting intentional backmasking in the in this song well um, you know it may have even uh, you'd know better than i do whether it like started as christian right or was co-opted by when i first found out about backwards masking it was on coast to coast with art bell uh like <laughs> well, late night uh-huh. <laughs> conspiracy Radio. ufo weirdness mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah good stuff <laughs> well uh my i don't i mean it certainly I was aware of backmasking in junior high school because it freaked me out. And I think it was your mm. father who gave maybe maybe it was your aunt Tammy. One or the other gave me a tape about the evils of rock music and how backmasking Ooh. was part of it. And um, I had you still have that. The, <laughs> no, but <laughs> but I'll tell you, I have I don't have all too many regrets in my life. But as a in, in junior high school, somebody turned me on to ELO and I just. Yeah. enjoyed their music very much and I started collecting their albums and they had all these color vinyls which for those who mm-hmm. don't know were records that instead of being black were trans translucent colors and mm-hmm. they they were very much a collector's item and at the time you know I would have to take the bus downtown to record stores and try to complete my collection over the <laughs> a couple of years and somehow um ELO came up on one of these tapes recording, you know, how they were an example of a satanic band. And I took it seriously enough that I took all my ELO out. Now, I I was still a capitalist, I guess, because instead of burning them, as they (laughs) encouraged me to do, I took them back to the record store and, and traded them in. So I got yeah. 50 cents a record or something, but I sure. I unloaded my ELO collection that to this day Ugh. I regret, you know, yeah. over some stupid conspiracy sure crap that yeah I, that I was too young too young Petra to discern Welk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was too <laughs> ignorant to discern what it really was, you know, this um, Oh man. fear-mongering. So, I really do regret that. I have enjoyed very much over the last 
a decade, hearing ELO music kind of come back into the yeah. into TV commercials and into movies and stuff. I'm like, wow. I mean, there must be people my age yeah. who grew up with <laughs> with ELO and are working them into TV commercials and stuff now. So I have enjoyed the fact that ELO's had a little resurgence of their old yeah. classics. No, ELO's fucking great. That band's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I have a whole lot more to say about these other songs on here, which means I want to just check in with you, Scott, and find out, is there anything else important about Weird Al, important about this album that uh, you haven't had a chance to share yet or that we glossed over and you want to circle back to before we uh, before we say goodbye to this like surprisingly fun uh, like pleasure of an album to listen to? <laughs> well, only that this is, you know, this is Weird Al's second album, and he's got like a dozen since then. Mm-hmm. Don't know the exact count. But there is, he continues to um, have so much <laughs> relevance in the, world of parody right that that yeah. uh, if anyone's not familiar with his music i would highly encourage you to go on youtube look up white and nerdy look up <laughs> amish paradise and oh, my yeah. favorite of all time word crimes Ooh, <laughs> that yeah. that he, that he is <laughs> so brilliant and <laughs> and to me word crimes is so brilliant partly because it hits on so many of my pet peeves in people's use of the English language, and he gets them all into <laughs> one song and makes a brilliant parody um, that uh, he just continues to be relevant. He continues to find ways to take a, a song that's popular today, make it ridiculous, and yet somehow heady at the same time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I thoroughly uh, appreciate his endurance, and I hope that he gets at least one more top 40 hit here, and I'm sure he will because he's going strong so that he yeah. can stand alone with that that <laughs> that record of and top 40 can, hits uh, in five we decades. We can rightfully refer to Weird Al as the, uh, the most important in, uh, musician of all time. Of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he might be the person who has parodied the most important musicians of all time well, that's, yeah <laughs> <laughs> certainly and and uh and earned their blessing because he 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 chooses even though legally he doesn't have to he chooses to get the permission of every artist he parodies sure yeah. and many of them consider it a rite of passage to finally have you know they've made it when weird al yeah. calls and says i want to parody your music and when <laughs> when he did smells like um nirvana and so uh-huh, it smells like yeah. king spirit he he contacted he contacted uh, Nirvana. They were about to go on apparently on Saturday Night Live, um, and he he called down to the set and said, "Hey, you know, I want to do a parody of your music." And um, Kurt Cobain said, "Are you going to turn it into a song about food?" <laughs> because <laughs> many of his songs yeah. are about food, and he says, "No, no, I'm going to write a parody about how no one can understand a word you say." And he's like. Brilliant. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, Just as long as it wasn't about food. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, who, you know, we talk, speak carefully of these days, um, Mm -hmm. certainly was a musical um, prodigy and and a genius. And he only said no to no once. And that's when he did the song Black and White, um, which he considered to be a very important message. And when Weird Al called and said, I want to take this anthem you've written about race and turn it into a song called I Want to Snack All Night, 
Uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson said no. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he yeah. moved on to Nirvana and probably got uh, a big boost in his uh, creds at the time by uh, by sure. covering yeah. Nirvana instead of Michael Jackson yet again. So in the yeah. end, that no was probably a good thing for his career. Ugh, classic Weird Al. Turn, you know, <laughs> stepping through these three-dimensional windows that life opens. Uh, those, those provided by the band Nirvana. Those on the cover of the album. Doesn't matter. He's busting on through in three dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. This has been a lot of fun. I don't get to talk to, about Weird Al that much because in certain circles, people, you know, people will look at you like Weird Al, like they're too, they're too good yeah. for that. But I'm convinced that the people, the same people who hate kittens, hate Weird Al. <laughs> it's like, how can you hate Weird Al? <laughs> yeah, you take yourself too seriously if you truly hate him. You can be that, ambivalent, I, I suppose. <laughs> you can be ambivalent, but you can't hate him. <laughs> He's too yeah. brilliant to no, hate. No, there's nothing. Right. And he's he's cultivated that, too. Right. He's never to he's you talked about like people ages two to 80 being at the show. Right. He's pretty he's safe and in a way that doesn't feel um, like anesthetized or something, you know. Right. He's never once uttered a profanity in one of his songs, although there are right. there are topics in his songs that are that are kind of inappropriate at times. But he doesn't he sure. never stoops to, to profanity and he's very proud of that. Um, he yep. doesn't even do the old beep, you know. He he'll occasionally make you think he's going to swear, and then he throws some other rhyme in there. But I think uh, my favorite turn of phrase in all of all of <laughs> um, all of his original songs was the song "One More Minute," which I adore and I sing it in karaoke. Um, mm. Is when <laughs> and the song "One More Minute" is about everything he would rather do than spend one more minute with his ex. And it's everything from cleaning all the bathrooms in Grand Central Station with his tongue, you know, and diving uh -huh. into a swimming yeah. pool filled with double-edged razor blades. But at one point he says, you left me all alone at the gas station of love and I had to use the self-service pumps. <laughs> 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 and to this day, I adore that line. So <laughs> That's pretty awesome. We can oh leave you with gosh. that. That's pretty rad. Well, yeah. Thanks, Scott, for talking about this album. You know, there is a little bit of time left here on the program. Uh, and what we usually do here is uh, end with something a little fun. So, Scott, I need to ask you, my guest, shall we play a game? Shall we play a game? Yes, but you need to say that in the Whopper computer voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> the sample that i have from that i grabbed so i was like oh i'll grab some music drops you know and like did a big did a big like sweep of those and i was still really early on and figuring out how to use all the equipment and everything so i have this like super super quiet sample of that that i always have to put in its own track and like crank up <laughs> like 12 <laughs> decibels to make yeah it match. audio uh, gain so 99 stupid. Ugh, so lame um, okay, Scott, we have a brand new game for tonight. Um, I'm excited to honor one of the great song parodists of all time by doing a little bit of song parodying ourselves um, on this game, which is called Polkas on 45. <laughs> 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 
so here's what I have in front of me, Uncle Scott. I, I have the uh, I have Spotify open in front of me to a playlist called 2000s Hits. It's five hours and six minutes of the biggest 2000s hits, including Bye Bye Bye, Hips Don't Lie, Uptown Funk. Wait a second. Uptown Funk. Okay. Um, that seems a little too recent. Uh, if I Ain't Got You and more. The, it, this has... 1.4 million likes on Spotify. My plan here is to shuffle play and see what song comes up. Um, I think we should each take one round. We may each take two rounds, but the goal will be not to come up with an entire song parody, not not a full length, but uh, you're on the spot. You have a short amount of time, which, of course, we will edit down to make you sound like you thought of it instantaneously. <laughs> um, but we'll ask you to do a uh, a parody in whatever style seems fit to you uh so this is a game called polkas on 45 it does not require that the song be a polka just that it be a parody all right hopefully i'll know the song (laughs) yeah i feel the same way Um, (laughs) i I feel the same way so i'm gonna all right so scott we're gonna hit uh random here on this uh spotify playlist and uh first one that comes up here Oh, we've got Hey Ya by Outcast. Hey Ya by Outcast. Uh Scott, I'm asking you here for Polkas <laughs> on 45 mm. to uh, come up with even even one line or a couplet or you know a, a segment of this song that you could make uh hilarious in your parodying style. I styles. see. Okay. Um yeah, so you give me like 30 seconds or something, right? Sure. Yep. Let's put 30 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Put 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. I have a little turn on phrase. <clears throat> I don't know how, All right. how, how I'll uh, <clears throat> sing it exactly, but uh, sure. <laughs> that's Let's key, hear it. It's a Let's key I can't got. sing. Okay. So, uh, Hey Y'all uh, by Outcast is now Hey Y'all by mm. Weird, Weird Scott Hosner. <laughs> nice nice weird scott weird scott let's see here uh might have to do more than one take i gotta find a key i can sing this in hey y'all hey y'all hey y'all hey y'all you think you milk it oh you think you milk it but oop it's not a cow it's not a cow at all <laughs> you got a bull there yes you got a bull there not another but balls Hey y'all! Hey y'all! Yeah. Okay, that's the best I could do. <laughs> awesome! Hey y'all! By hey y'all! Weird Scott. Yes, indeed. Uh, all right, I'm gonna click skip here and see what comes up. Oh, yeah, we've got uh before he cheats by Carrie Underwood. Oh, yeah, that's, that's nice classic. challenge. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, let's put 30 seconds on the clock. All right, uh, Scott, whatever we needed to do to edit that down, I'm now prepared. I'm now ready to uh, perform now. Yeah, this is Weird Snowy um, with uh, with my... Ooh, yeah, I guess what is this? I guess this song is just called The Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> will uh, anyone come come december 28th 2020 will anyone remember the oh tiger man king? people will be like begging for new tiger king content yeah <laughs> the sequel will be to... out by then 
<laughs> I mean, very much a la Weird Al. I need to sing today's songs about today. There you go. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. We've got, I dug my teeth into the arm of a pretty little ex-con four feet high. Rubbed my mane against Doc Antle's meat. I made Carol Baskin a new ex-wife. Uh, what do I have here? <laughs> <laughs> Ate a hole in Harold's face. This song is about the Tiger King. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> and there was great applause. <laughs> That's how we play. You better be Hope careful. On they might send someone after you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously. Oh, uh, Scott, thanks for being here to do a silly episode about a silly album. Um, for being uh, here on episode 41 now, we are barreling toward the finish, and I'm really glad that we had some time to spend here in quarantine. Um, and I'm excited I'm going to get to see you in person tomorrow. It's going to be fun doing the little parade for Grandma, but this was a delight. Uh, it's almost like being there. It's all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I speak for everyone in the whole world where I hope we don't have to get used to this shit because uh, <laughs> it'd be Indeed. nice to have you in studio. It'd be nice to set up, you know, whatever. Not like Sit I'm across make from your... each other and yeah, <laughs> yeah, make googly eyes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Play all sorts of timing games that are inaccessible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, listeners, thank you also for listening to yet another episode. We've got, wow, 28 episodes to go, uh, which, yeah, we're getting about to six months left. So this is going to end right around summertime. Excited to have you along for the ride until we speak again. Uh, I guess that will be in 2021 for you, fair listener. You are in a whole different time stream. Let's say goodbye to 2020. Let's never see it again. My goodness. And uh, until we speak again, folks, do take good care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Bye. Good riddance 2020.